right, all right. Episode 69. Nice. It's Mike of the Halo. It's Tyler, Jacob, and Ivan. Jacob, say hello to the world. Hello, world 69. Yes, we made it. Great 69. Didn't think the Angels would make it this far, but we did. Uh, and we're not having a good time with this 69, so I don't know how the rest of you are feeling. Tyler, I'm doing okay. I'm kind of recovering from the last week of realization with this team. Different mindset than we were a week ago. Uh, how are you doing this day, this fine day? I'm riding hard with this two-game winning streak we got going on. Um, snapping a seven-game winning streak, that was brutal. It was very unfortunate coming off the trade deadline, making these acquisitions, hoping that the team would excel into the second half, and we completely derailed the train. But we're slowly but surely getting back on it. Again, two-game winning streak. Good outing by Lucas Giolito, newly acquired pitcher from the Chicago White Sox. And then, of course, Shohei Otani doing a great job yesterday against my San Francisco Giants. But yeah, overall, doing good. Ivan, how are you, sir? Uh, I think I'm doing okay. I feel like the season has ended like 15 times already, but somehow like there's still a little bit of hope I have. Like Even right now, like uh, I, th- I think the Angels can still like put something together and and turn this ship around. Well, let's just get the cat out of the bag here. Um, guys, I have a formal announcement to make. The season for our Los Angeles Angels is officially over. Um, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but I, I have to say it. We're 58 and 58. We're 500 for the millionth time this season. We are currently behind the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mariners and the Blue Jays for the wild card spot that we need to obtain. And despite our best efforts, I do not think that we will be making it to the playoffs this year once again. Granted, we made it further than we normally do when we officially declare ourselves dead, but I think it's just over. And I don't like if you can, if you, if either of you can convince me otherwise, like I'm definitely open to hearing what can happen that could change things. I will remember you. It's over. That was beautiful. It's over. It's done. Uh, you're right. It, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's it's glaring us right in the face. Same as every year, later in the season, late enough to be fooled, tricked, duped into buying. Uh, although I don't think we got set back as far as some of these sports broadcast people are saying some of the writers and things i don't think we set it back five years from from what we did and i don't know if the trade would have been worth it tyler you mentioned before we jumped on that if we did trade him away for nothing or you know two or three players that could maybe help us in the future we don't know we would have got scolded for that so it really doesn't matter what we did damned if you do damned if you don't yeah it's it's really really unfortunate now i think a lot of people are saying that we maybe should have been buyers if we had our team healthy. So like if we had our real lineup, plus you buy, get some depth, not buy, and then throw these guys into the fire. But they're professionals. That's what we were going to do. And it didn't really go so bad offensively. I mean, Gritchick came in, he was all right. Crone came in, he was all right. And then it just kind of fell off. Moustakas hasn't been consistent. I know that was a little bit earlier trade. but um, And you also mentioned something else is that we should have been making these moves earlier in the season when we were actually in the race or – you know, making some adjustments, some little tweaks here and there, whereas we just kind of wrote it out. We knew the injuries were going to come. 
why would they not come this year when they have every other season? Uh, so luckily, you know, we or not luckily, I should say we uh, we didn't stick to that. Good teams retool on the fly. You can't just do it when when things get rough and, and try to save yourself, which is kind of what we did. But Ivan, do you have a do you have an argument for us? I don't know. I don't have any arguments against you guys. Um, I, I guess the season's over. There's like less than 50 games, right, in the season. Um, this is like the first series, I think, against the Giants that we won in like three or something. We got swept by the Mariners and can't remember who we played before that. The Braves, right? We played the Braves. Uh, and then the Blue Jays, I think. And it's like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess we tried, it seems like. That's that's really all I can say. We tried, but the season's over. Yeah, um, it, it really does suck because everybody said we're going into this stretch of games against teams that are going to be above 500. And we obviously, for the most part, we perform well against teams that are doing bad, which if you're an Angels fan, you know that. For whatever reason, if the Washington Nationals come to town or the Marlins come to town, for whatever reason, we're going to get our asses kicked by those teams, but... Going into this stretch of games, again, where we're playing teams above 500, it was imperative for the season for us to at least win a couple of these series. Like I, I knew in the back of my heart that we were going to lose some of these series, but at least to have a couple. And for it to be against the Giants, who aren't a bad team by any means, they're projected like above 70% by fan graphs to make the playoffs. So that's, oh, I mean, they're a good pod. team. Giants I'm just saying. Pod. I'm just saying. But... Uh, <laughs> There, there's series that we should have won. There's games that we had in the bag that we did not execute on winning, um, and it and it came back to bite us in the ass. You know, like and Jacob, like you said, you know, we made these moves, could have made them earlier in the season while we were pivoting from players getting injured, and we knew the injuries were going to come. We relied on the farm system. We called up guys like Ben Joyce, Sam Bogman, Zach Neto. We called up all the young guys, and they're all on the IL. We have the most players on the IL in the entire league of major league baseball, which is astonishing. And I don't know how Mike Frostad or Forstad or whatever the fuck you want to call him has a job, but he's still employed. And this is what we're dealt with. We had to go and trade for guys like Grichuk, Crone, Giolito, Lopez, Mustakis, Escobar. We got those guys and sure to an extent they're producing, but they're producing at the most angels level that you could expect from any player. If anything, I want to give a shout out to Mike Moustakis. I know Jacob, you're mentioning him being inconsistent, which is a very angels theme, but since he's arrived, he has 37 hits and 137 plate appearances, seven home runs, 23 RBIs, and he's rocking a 285 batting average with a 314 OBP over an 800 OPS out of everybody that we've gotten. And he's he's been on on the team longer than Grichuk Crone, as far as offense goes. Uh, he's the best offensive player we currently have, and he's the reason why we won last night against the Giants. So, little shout out to Moose. That um, three run homer was beautiful, man. It was amazing. I was there. I saw it. I cried. I wept. I came a little bit. Uh, but yeah, um, sixty nine, sixty nine, episode sixty nine. We're getting dirty. Um, but again, we're back at 500. We're back at 500, and we're in August, which normally in August we're well below 500. So it's a little weird. I, I know I'm declaring the Angels dead. I know that 
fans of this podcast are used to listening to AM830 or other Angels podcasts where they say, like, oh, there's hope at the end of the tunnel. This team could really turn it around. But the reality of the situation is we're going to need to be 19 games above 500 throughout the rest of the stretch of this season if we want to solidify ourselves in the playoffs, which I just don't think is possible. Maybe the players could have a meeting. Maybe they could have the heart. Mike Trout could come back. Maybe Anthony Rendon, for whatever reason, could decide, hey, I actually want to play games now and give it my all. Um, but I just don't see it happening. It's it's hard for me to come to that conclusion. And if there's anybody that I feel bad for on this team, of course, Mike Trout, that's a given. But Shohei Otani, who comes in day in, day out, cramps, uh blistered fingers, probably all sorts of other pain. He does everything that he can for this team, and the team just can't unify together to help us win. And it sucks. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know what we're going to do, man. He's walking at the end of the season. Well, well, Along with me declaring the Angels dead for this year, uh, Shohei Otani's definitely not coming back. And if he does... I I don't know how I feel about that. Obviously, like there's a little bit of happiness, but then I don't know how the organization is going to be paying him, Trout, and Rendon while being able to go out and seek other talented baseball players to help us make the postseason. I'm going where he's going. I've already made that decision with with my fandom, so it doesn't really matter. Just follow him, and then hopefully it's a good pick. If he stays here, I'll stay. But that's about it. I mean, it's like, I don't blame him at all. Nobody will. Everyone's saying he needs to get out. It's true. It just, it just sucks to have to be on this end of it. And no matter what you do, and I guess from their perspective, I mean, and and this is something I've mentioned before we jumped on also is that you can't really fault the team for doing what they did. They, They did try. You can't say there wasn't an effort there. Statistically, they got players that made our team better. They got names that, you know, big-ish names, you would say, that were out there. I mean, there wasn't much out there, and we didn't have much to trade. That was the other thing. And so that tells me if we had more to trade, maybe there could have been some bigger moves there. I mean, if you told me that Verlander, Scherzer, and Gilito are going somewhere, you know, I'd be happy with any of those. Sure, I would rather one of the other two, but it's one of those things where you can't get too picky when in the past they haven't done anything, they haven't been in the position or they've chosen not to try to get better throughout the season. Like I mentioned, if they would have retooled throughout the past couple of years, who knows? Um, just until Trout gets back, you know, he was back a little earlier in other seasons. But, yeah, I guess I'm on board. I've been saying that for a while, too, I think, because he's going to be he's going to be going, and that's going to be interesting, and it's going to suck, but we are going to have the conversations of where he's going to go. We'll have all that fun stuff, and the, the rest of the league is going to eat it up. They're going to love it. Even if he doesn't go to their team, it's going to be fun conversations. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know how upset they were when he wasn't leaving? Like the whole build up to where's he yeah. going to go? Where's he going to go? Tune in. Tune in first thing in the morning as soon as we find out, like another rumor, another mystery team per John Heyman. And then as soon as it was solidified, he's staying in Anaheim. They were just like, well, fuck, dude. You just, you just ruined a good amount of, oh, what's going to happen now? Because they don't want to, they don't want to keep talking about the Angels. No one wants to talk about the Angels. No, the league, the league is chomping at the bit for him to be out of here. Uh, you know that. You know they can't wait to get the first shots of him in the new uniform. 
the first home run at the new ballpark, everything. Uh, you know they're they're waiting for that. And meanwhile, Trout's going to get left in the dust. And that's the other sad part is that, I mean, he, he has to realize too, and this is something that it's kind of worst case scenario, I guess, but we've always talked about if he asks for a trade, you know, if it really gets bad enough and he ends up asking for a trade. I think in his mind, he knows how much money he makes and he knows that he's getting older. So if he, another team is going to be willing to pick that up, you know, that contract, it's going to be sooner rather than later. They're going to want to pay him to help them win now while he's in his early 30s and not at the, the butt end of this contract. So I think if Shohei leaves or, you know, he he knows whether he's going to or not. And if, you know, if he doesn't and he hasn't had a conversation with him, then he's got to be smart enough to know that he is. And he's probably jealous that he is. So I think at the end of this year is when he's really going to take a look at that, you know, and maybe there's no options out there. And that's one thing, but we'll never know if that gets brought to the table, if it doesn't happen. I mean, it may have already. I mean, who knows? We We won't ever find out, I don't think, but. That's something that I've really thought about too. Is that if he doesn't have his, you know, his right hand man, I guess you would say the other guy that's on his level or even past it, some would say. But you know, to try to help the team, and, and Rendon's not that guy. So you're right; he's going to be thinking the same thing. How are they going to make this team much better? I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? There, there's just no way in hell that Shohei Otani likes Anthony Rendon. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm calling it right now. There's no way that that guy does what he does, pitches, and then the day after is batting second for the Angels, running out ground balls in the infield. While in, like, if if Anthony Rendon were healthy, if he hits a ground ball in the infield, he's gonna jog to first base, not even go get all the way to first base after the ball gets thrown there, jog his way back home, or if it's a inning-ending play. He might not even leave the batter's box. He just might be like, all right, go ahead and throw it. I'm just going to walk my way over to third base, and that's going to be that. Going to watch strike three down the middle. Going to get mad at it, blah, blah, blah. There, there's no way that Shohei does all that, making now $30 million a year, but a couple years ago, league minimum winning MVP, and just being like, oh, yeah, this guy's a good teammate. There's just no way. <laughs> I've heard some arguments saying like, well, Rendon is, you know, he's not like the other infielders where he's got his spot locked up. Like he's only placed third. He's going to hit fourth, fifth or sixth somewhere in there. He knows that. And he can just kind of dog it. But the argument doesn't work because Shohei is the same difference. Like he only has one position. He knows he's got it locked up and he goes out there and works harder than anybody. Like you just said. So I, I don't like that argument. I'm not saying he can't modify his game as he gets older to stay healthier that's actually a benefit to the team having him out there whether we like it or not we're still better with him like it's 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 undisputable because of the numbers i mean it's just it's just the truth whether he's having a good year or not it's like the record with him and without him is is a big difference but it doesn't matter if he's not out there yeah plenty of thoughts on him and if Really, I mean, if you look back in a couple of years, you could almost blame him for the reason that Shohei leaves or that we couldn't offer him enough. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's probably what will end up happening. But I, th- I feel like for Rendon, because he still has two or three years left on his contract, uh, I don't risk him playing third base ever again for the team. Like, we've seen him do it. We know how good he can be at third base. I think it's time to move him to first base. And he could be as athletic at the opposite corner. Uh, 
without necessarily like stretching for balls that are way that are that are too far away like that, like there's going to be some limitation like Anthony Rendon is going to have limitations no matter what happens when he comes back and I think the best way to avoid any further injury is to not have him play third base ever again is you're, you're thinking because of I don't know man guys running past him at first and stuff like reach you know jumping off the bag to get a ball where the guy's running like i feel like there's almost and he doesn't know how to play it if he's gonna be on the team for the next two or three like unless something amazing happens which perry has done before where you know we dfa albert or we dfa upton and we oh, just no eat chance. it no but i don't think, i don't i don't see that happening there's just no way not only if you became the gm or the owner but and that would have happened a year ago at least but one thing to consider, and, and this is just, here we go, thinking about this. I mean, we are going to have the DH spot open. Yes, absolutely. So that's something to consider. And, of course, I think Trout's going to get, let's give a quarter of next season to him in the DH spot because we're not going to have somebody that's an everyday DH. I just don't see it. Oh, unless yeah, it's going to be a, a carousel. Like how we have the rotating yeah. carousel of infield, it, the DH spot is going to be up for grabs depending on who's sore. I'm more okay with that than a position. Like, I'm more okay with the DH spot kind of being a utility spot. It doesn't always have to be, you know, your biggest pop anymore because other positions, everyone has pop now, it seems like. If you don't, you're the outlier. Uh, so it's kind of like your one through nine should be able to to put one over the fence if they have to. So the DH doesn't always have to be Yordan. You know, it doesn't always have to be Shohei. Now, on a team that has an offense like us, of course, you need that DH, but on a good team, Braves, I don't know, just came to mind. Good team, good lineup. You don't necessarily need that that spot to be your your hammer every time. So that is something to consider. Trout's going to hit that spot quite a bit just to give him time off. Moniac will take over in center probably quite a bit. And then I don't know what the outfield is going to look like either next year. There's there's so many questions. Yeah, I mean, you got to wonder, is, is Taylor Ward going to come back and still be the – same offensive Taylor Ward that he was before and was turning back into prior to his facial fracture. That, that's a huge, that's a huge question up there. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton had the same issue. I mean, he, he was crushing bombs left and right playing for Miami. And then he got to New York and not that he has been terrible or anything, but I don't think he's been the same ever since he came back from getting hit in the face by a pitch prior to and prior to that he was just one of the home run kings in the league like that that takes a toll on on somebody you know get it like I, i've i've seen people when i've played baseball get hit in the face and they're usually not the same again and granted these aren't people that end up going on to play in the major league baseball and all that but still like people get fucked up from that it, it it's a real mind fuck yeah it's going to cause some Different approaches, I guess, maybe, at the plate. A couple things there. And he already wasn't back-back, you know, completely. So there's a question mark. I'll just leave it at that. I think it's a, a big question mark. We hope the best for him. That's first and foremost. 100%. Yeah, I mean, the whole outfield's a question mark right now. The The one thing I'll say, I, I like I like Randall Grichuk. I like him defensively. Um, his defense career-wise, has been 
spectacular. Uh, 990 fielding percentage in the outfield. Um, on average, in a season, he'll commit an error or two, and that and that's it. He's only committed 20 errors in his career playing um, over 8,000 innings in the outfield. So as far as reliance out there, we could definitely count on him. His bat, however, since joining the team, that's that's where I have an issue. Uh, granted, when he first joined the team, I think his first game he hit a home run, and he's hit another one since then. But uh, he's currently batting 194, rocking a 654 OPS. Um, and it's only been 10 games. So this is only a 10-game span. Obviously, things could change between now and the other 46 games that we have left to play. Uh, same goes for CJ Crone. He's played 10 games. Um, no home runs, four RBI, rocking a 194 batting average with a 469 OPS. So that is not good. Uh, defense, however, is also again uh, career-wise great. 992 fielding percentage in over 6,500 6, innings. But since joining the Angels, he has made two errors at first base in 10 games. So what the hell little, is that throw? Yeah, uh, I, dude, I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. I mean, I, I went to the game by myself, and uh, you know how sometimes you have people next to you that are are watching the game, and like you can like talk to other people, like be like, "Oh, what was yeah. that?" Or like, "Oh, dude, like I, I could have told you that would have happened." Like I You're kind of on the same wavelength. Yeah. I, I was belligerent though. Like no one, no one wanted to talk to me. I was, I was like so livid. I was like, how the fuck do you oh, like, was this like, like soft I was level? angry, dude. I was like, I was like, I was like the coach in the dugout just being like, what the fuck are we doing guys? It was not a are good time for the, the other people around me. Are you talking about that moment in the ninth inning? Bottom of the ninth? Is that what we're talking about or? It was a, the 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 crone chuck to left field. Yeah, it was the top of the ninth, I believe. Yeah, because yeah, Estevez was, the whole was thing. in. Estevez was in, dude. Of all pitchers, you need to back up defensively right now. That needs to get a game in. That's a good game. Jesus. Yeah, I I, I, I immediately, yeah, I immediately I went to tweet at my house, man. <laughs> I was like, like yo, echoing I was like, in the room. I immediately went to Twitter and I was just yeah. like, this is going to be one of the most Angels losses of all time, isn't it? Yeah, reverse jinx. Good job. Yeah, no, my, my cousin called me out on it, as always. You know Dude, every every shitty it. take, every, even if it's not a shitty take, even if it's a reasonable take, my cousin has something to say about it. Shout out to Zach, <laughs> who listens to the podcast. <laughs> You're so fucking annoying sometimes, dude. I swear <laughs> to God. Uh, keep it up, Zach. Yeah, you keep know what? it up. I'm glad we came out like winning in this series, man. I, we needed that. Yeah, me too. I'm glad we won the series too, Ivan. I think we. I um, think all of us as Angels fans no. are very happy about that. Except Z- maybe Zach. That... Zach, Zach. Zach might have a take as to why maybe we shouldn't have won the series. No, Tyler's that meme with the the guy crying wearing the mask, the smiling mask. That's him. Yeah. Dude, I'm the guy spot. I'm the guy in fucking major league like yelling at the team uh after losing so long. 
like and i and i'm still showing up to the games but like i have like my all like the logos xed out and everything yeah and then as, as soon as we start winning i'm like i always knew we were gonna win i always knew we had it in us oakland A's fans that is me as fuck yeah jesus you gotta roll with it you gotta have fun with the games while you're there even if it's late in the season and we're out of it i mean we went to a few games last year late in the year just for fun and we got to stop doing that maybe stop giving them the money but i don't know dude i thought about it we us three haven't gone to a game this year altogether. no we gotta do we've that. gone separately but we haven't gone like 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 jacob and i have been to a game i think you and ivan have been to a game but like not all three of us have been to a game yet yeah we gotta do that I mean, we're at the point now where it's kind of pick and choose. They're all going to be similar price for the tickets, so I'm down. I'm down for whatever. Uh, any day now, they're going to put out the $5 ticket promo. Yeah, that's right. If we, if we fall any lower than 500 it's it's going to come out any day now. So, Hey, let's go see Baltimore. Oh. When they come to town? Yeah, they're coming September 4th, 5th, and 6th, so like a month. Oh, cool. We're going to get our shit pushed in. Love that. Hey, but, you know, might as well see a good team. <laughs> no, that's, it's, that's it's, fair. That's fair. It's that, Cleveland, Detroit, fucking Tampa. It's better than going to see the Yankees, who are okay, uh, okay, okay. currently last place in their division. <clears throat> yeah, 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 right, right. That's true. Fucking um, Red Sox are going to get in. I want to talk about a few players that we acquired during this trade deadline. I know we, I already talked about Ronald Grichuk and CJ, CJ Crone and uh, Mike Moustakis, but there are a couple other guys that we did get from the White Sox, one of them being named Lucas Giolito, who had his first, uh, I'd call it his second good start with the Angels because his first start was, was, wasn't was bad. He threw five no, innings. Yeah, he threw five innings, uh, what, only allowed um, three runs. Three runs on a couple homers or something. And it was yeah. against Toronto. So, I mean, they have a stacked offense. We we provided zero run support. We only scored one run that game. I believe it was a Shohei home run. Um, But, yeah, uh, aside from that, five and a third innings, three earned runs, six hits, five strikeouts. Those two runs or those those runs coming off of a couple home runs, like you said, not bad. And the following start against Minnesota, he went five innings of no runs allowed, six hits, nine strikeouts. Wait, hold on, hold on. Hold on. No, I think no, he got no. Blown I, up. I went, I went backwards. That was a that was with the White Sox. The following game was against the the Braves, which I'm surprised we had him pitch against the Braves. Whoever decided, like, oh hey, let's put Lucas Giolito against the Braves. He throws fastballs right down the middle. Uh, Someone's got to be fired on that team. Someone has the, to be. The only thought is that he probably hasn't seen him much, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah but I mean... Uh, anyway, uh, three and two-thirds innings, eight hits, nine earned runs, three bombs. Uh, he, he shouldn't have been pitching in that game. But realistically, who else on the team is going to go out there and pitch against this yeah. great team that is the Atlanta Braves? It's If you put a different pitcher out there for Atlanta, it's just a different pitching machine. Yeah. They'll just figure it out. And then you have this one against the Giants a couple days ago. Uh, six innings, three hits, three earned runs, seven strikeouts. No home runs allowed. Solid performance, 101 pitches. Uh, first quality start with the Angels. So you know I'm happy and about that. That, and then I think a lot of people were thinking the first start was, was better. But 
the stuff he had here was better. I agree. I agree. His I mean, um, fastballs are moving a little bit more. And then along with him from Chicago came Reynaldo Lopez, who is just an absolute flamethrower. Uh, his first appearance with us was against Toronto, where we lost one to six. He threw an inning and a third, striking out three. Uh, he pitched again a couple days later against Atlanta. He went an inning and two thirds, struck out three. Both times didn't allow a run. Um, the next time we saw him was against Seattle on August 3rd. Pitched an inning, struck out two. Ended up taking the loss in this next appearance on August 4th against uh, Seattle. An inning, two hits, and earned a run came across, a strikeout. But so far, man, I like what I'm seeing from Reynaldo Lopez. Absolute flamethrower. He did go on the bereavement re- list recently, so hope everything's going okay with his family. My condolences are out to you and your family. But so far, man, uh, Reynaldo Lopez doing a pretty good job. I'm liking what I'm seeing. He should be considered for the closing role, realistically, I think. But eighth inning guy, for sure. I mean, that's what we need. Well, you know what's funny, dude? Everyone's talking about now because Carlos Estevez has blown two straight saves. And now apparently the closing position is up for grabs. I just mean moving forward. You know, it's people were saying Estevez was more of a middle relief guy anyway. I'm not saying he hasn't earned the spot. If those two blown saves were number 11 and number 18, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. I mean, look at Rysel. You guys were on him before, and I, he was blowing him left and right there for a while. Uh, but the numbers overall were still still good, so you couldn't argue. Uh, so, no, I'm not saying now, but just something to consider or at least a consistent shutdown guy in the most important of situations. You know, maybe don't don't waste him for teams we don't need him on or don't waste him in games where we have a lead. Uh, but definitely bring him in, Phil Nevin. Oh, my God. I, that's my issue, man. Leaving somebody in too long is the worst thing you can do as a manager. It's the one thing you have true control over that could change the outcome, right, of something. And... For some reason, our guy just, when it seems like he needs to come out, they leave him. And when it seems like maybe he could go a little bit more, he wants to stay, he pulls him. And then inevitably, whoever comes in next just blows it. So it's just, that's part of the issue. Of course, they're both going to say they want to go or, you know, everyone's hungry to get out there. But yeah, I agree. Estevez, just bad luck two games in a row. I mean, it kind of could argue one of them wasn't really his fault also, but they were still hitting the ball hard off him, and they were squaring him up. Even even the game that he got the save was the last night. It's like they were still hitting the ball hard. So I don't know. Something's going on, maybe. It's a push and pull situation, you know. Like there's guys that you want to let go and finish the game, and then you also know that there's a risk of doing that, and you can bring in a fresh arm that maybe can lock it down. But you know, it's also like a confidence thing too. You if you got a closing pitcher coming in. And they get and they have a couple base runners on. If they look over to the bullpen and they see someone is up, that that's going to rattle them too. It, it's it's really weird. In a professional setting, you should be able to understand like, okay, like there, there's a reason why there's people in there. But I'm going to go ahead and block that out, just like how you could block out the fans if like you're on an away team and you hear the crowd like chirping you or whatever. Like they're I don't know. There, it's it's a weird thing for pitchers and the mental toughness and all that. And Carlos 
coming off of like two blown saves coming out last night and being able to shut it down. I think that was huge. Although he did almost give up uh, a home run, which is very scary. Everybody in in the house thought it was a home run, but thankfully it just went barely foul. Um, but my segue into this whole thing, because we were talking about closing pitchers, I wanted to talk about the newly acquired Dominic Leone. Guys, for everyone who's listening, in the interest of all disclosure, if that's even how you say it, I totally messed that up. I'm not going to lie. We recorded an episode last week that did not air because we said a lot of good things about people that we acquired and the Angels. And then the Angels turned their backs against us and did one of the worst things you could possibly do and lose seven games in a row. Um, So now we're recording this episode and we're recapping essentially what we talked about last week to an extent. Uh, I said a lot of terrible things about Dominic Leone and, and he, (laughs) and he has been phenomenal since joining the team. He's pitched in three games, um, five innings total in those five innings. He's only allowed three hits. He's only allowed one run and he's gotten a save in a lockdown situation for this team. And I absolutely love it. Uh, we always talk about how a change of scenery can really help a guy. It looks like that is the case with Dominic Leone. Because, again, in five innings here, he only has a 1.8 ERA. Uh, his FIP is 5.47, which is terrible, um, which might have proved my point if we were talking about what everything that I said last week. But aside from that, he's been able to lock it down. He's got a save for the Halos, and everybody is talking about, is this a guy that we can go to in the event that Carlos Estevez doesn't have it? What are your thoughts? I just want to clarify the change of scenery portion there. I'm pretty sure I'm the one that may have said that, that that could be a help to him. And I think you said something along the lines of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we don't have to get into the specifics. You're right. We all said things on that episode that I think you know, looking at it now, in hindsight, a whole week later, uh, we would change. But I don't know, Ivan, what do you think? Is he proving to be somebody that's decent? Do you think he's going to fall off? Are we going to use him a lot more? Uh, What are your thoughts on him? I think he's kind of like a power pitcher. You know, he's like, uh, just goes out there and does it kind of thing. He's not real crafty, from what I can tell. But I don't know, what do you like about him? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, in the closing position, like, you know, someone second to Estevez, I guess, like, because, I don't know, like, well, he, he blew, like, two saves, right, Estevez, and it, it seems like it was only a matter of time, like, nothing against Estevez, like, he's fantastic, but, you know, when you have, like, a streak like that going, like he did, it's like, especially this, to this point in the season, it's like, it was almost inevitable, inevitable maybe, so, you know, having somebody, somebody else who can sort of take that role, I think is a good thing. Um, I haven't seen too much of, uh, Dominic Leon outside of, outside of the angels. So, uh, again, like with anything, I have my hopes up, so I'm just hoping for the best for this guy. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's almost like I go back to a hockey reference, but nowadays with goaltending, it's like you, you have to have a tandem. It's almost like two guys you need to go back to back every other night kind of thing. And good teams, if you're winning a lot of games, assuming your closer is going to be in most of those games to close them out. I mean, unless you're winning games by more than you know a few runs. And I guess that's the idea is that every other night you'd win by more than a few. But having a guy that maybe doesn't necessarily chase the saves statistic, 
maybe he's in there, you know, if they're up by five, four, uh, you put him in where you don't have to use the closer closer. Don't get in his own head where you mess with him. Don't put him in a closing situation. Closers are weird, man. It's like if one little thing is off, their margin of error is so small. And all of a sudden they become the most hittable pitcher on the team. So I think Dude, that's one thing to consider is having a backup closer. Felix Bautista of the Orioles, he blew his first save of the season the other day against Houston. He gave up a game-winning oh, grand, grand, salami, grand right? slam to oh, Kyle Tucker. Abraham Lincoln, man. He was in the dugout crying afterward, dude. Like, I, I've never seen a closer cry like that. Not even Edwin, or maybe Edwin Diaz was crying when he hurt himself in the celebration of Puerto Rico advancing into their next round. But, like, uh, if you see your closer crying after a game that they blew there i one i think there's something deeper going on but two if it's the first game that they let up that you guys couldn't win and they're in the dugout crying uh good luck the rest of the way hey did don ellis cry i know he's not a closer but he was closing the game i don't think he did i don't believe he did either he just kind of walked off straight face with the stash right like looking looking over but also like have like one, I, I don't think Troy Percival knows how to cry. I don't think he's ever shed a tear in his life, maybe at a wedding for his kids or whatever. The first Bucky shot. And that's acceptable? Fine, sure. Uh, I've never seen K-Rod cry. I never saw Brian Fuentes cry. I never saw Houston Street cry. I never saw Hansel Robles cry, even though he should have, knowing how bad he was. Hey, I've seen Mariano cry, but it was for his retirement. Then that's that's okay. That's yeah. perfectly fine. One of the best top 10 moment ever, probably. That's that's the only time that you could bring up like a Yankee that I won't shit on because he was the best of the best. The best closer of all time. The only one who could continue yeah. to wear 42 when no one else was allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, totally, he totally lost the World Series for them in 2001. But aside yep. from that, he, he was amazing. That's like the blemish of his career. But and I will say lucky for him. And it's true. Lucky for him. He was on a team that got him other championships so it doesn't really matter if that was the one time he got to the world series and that was on his record of course he wouldn't be the same so but yeah good examples a lot of great closers it's unfortunate that the roles kind of change now we don't have that you know those closers across the league that are just feared uh, kind of miss that honestly well we're on the topic of closers and i brought up a suggestion for someone that can come in for the ninth and lock it down i have one more suggestion, a guy who's currently on the Angels, a guy who is 24 years old, a guy that has only thrown 26 innings for this ball club and has 39 strikeouts coming out of the bullpen. And his name is Jose Soriano. And I don't think we've ever talked about Jose Soriano on this podcast. So I need to highlight him because he's somebody that is doing a lot of good for this team. And I feel bad for not for not even acknowledging it. Uh, Jose Soriano, again, 24 years old, 26 innings pitch for the team. He's allowed 19 hits, uh, nine earned runs. Three of them have been home runs, 18 walks. But the strikeout rate for the innings as a reliever, I'm very impressed. The FIP, I don't like, 4.42. But he's a flamethrower. He's got an ERA of 3.12. His last uh, five outings with the team, he has three holds. This is giving me Scott Shields vibes, guys. And it's almost worthy of entertaining. Like, is this someone 
that we can consider a closer in the future if he's able to maintain the success. Could be. I think I think you're right. We might have brought him up before, but we've never praised him in this way like he deserves to be now. I think the main thing is is pretty much when he's been doing this in games that we've lost and you know during this streak. A little bit of a Steve Ciszek syndrome. Say that five times fast. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, but he's not getting the recognition. You're right. Uh, somebody that comes in games, maybe we're we're already down, but he keeps us in them, um, and the offense just doesn't come back. I'm sure he's fallen to the inherited runs type of thing as well. Uh, come in some tough situations and looked bad, where it doesn't really reflect on the numbers. Not his fault completely. Um, but you're right. We got to shout him out a little bit. Um, he's come in. He does throw hard, man. He consistently throws hard. Um, between him and Lopez, that's a couple of flamethrowers we have back there, so I like it. And then if we get Joyce and Bachman back, I I, I don't know if that's going to happen this season. I, I'm kind of leaning towards that not happening, but looking forward to the future. I mean, even if we do lose Shohei, there's going to be some guys on this team that... like like I want to talk about this now. Hypothetically, we lose Shohei going into next season. Are we no longer in a position to compete for the playoffs? Are we back to square one? Are we back to ground zero? Or are we still in a good spot given the young talent that we have on this team? I think my gut reaction to that is that we never left ground zero. But if you think we're past ground zero on paper, I think it's a setback. I don't think you can take what we already have plus Shohei and take him away and say, yeah, it's the same or better, right? I mean, just being realistic. Not to say that they can't outperform how they've been doing this year and things can't click a little bit better than they have. Injuries can't be a little more foreign. we got to mention that injury payroll. That's that's something else that we got to bring up. It's like 90% of our payrolls is injured payroll. So that's, that's a big deal. It's so yeah. sad. It's Unreal. one of the worst things. I mean, and again, this this all points back. It, guys, again, in the interest of full disclosure, I said a lot of terrible things about Mike Forstad, Frostad, whatever the fuck his name is last <laughs> week. I went on a whole three-minute rant, and I won't repeat it, uh, but I said a lot of bad things. And Play the I, clip, Jamie. And I still question why this man has a job. I question why, we, why, why he has a job. I question why Matt Wise has a job. Um, it, it's all up in the air for me. Uh, will Phil Nevin have a job at the end of this season? Will Absolutely he be the will, will he be the scapegoat as to why we did not execute? Because because a lot of people blame Phil Nevin. Hell, I'll I'll fire off a tweet sometime saying fuck Phil Nevin because there's some stuff that he does that pisses me off. But is it really Phil Nevin's fault? Because Perry went and got all these guys right. Perry went and got Grichuk, Crone, Giolito, uh, Lopez, Mustakis, Escobar, Leon. He called up. Joyce, Bachman, Neto, he called up all this young talent. He went out and got guys. He really wanted to try to make it work this year. Whose fault is it? And that, and that's a rhetorical question because I have the answer. I have the answer. Uh guys, we we have the answer. We we all have the we all have the answer. I've always known the answer. The answer's right in front of me. I walked um, in. I said, wow, what a great answer. <laughs> um, guys, it, the root of the problem. Pause for dramatic effect. 
It's Uncle Artie. Uncle Artie, Uncle Jeez. Artie is like the bad boyfriend in a relationship where the girlfriend is finally fed up with his shit, and she's like, "If you don't change, I'm leaving." And he was like, "All right, baby, I got you. Let me go out and get these free agents for you." I never wanted to do it before, but I'll do it now because you're bitching at me. Gonna do the bare minimum. Gonna go and get guys like Grichuk, Crone, <laughs> Giolito, Lopez, Mustakas, Escobar, Leon. There you go, baby. I did it. Now you can't say I didn't do it. Here you're they are. Her out to, you're taking her out to Wendy's, McDonald's, In-N-Out, Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, and, and then for the grand finale, Chili's, which is yeah. probably the, the, the biggest... The, the most expensive belly's gonna get, and that is Ch- Chili's is Giolito. Okay? Oh my Chili's God. is Giolito. <laughs> Lucas Chililito. Yeah. Oh, so, dude, we're getting wrapped for that one. So you know, like the, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do. Like, and and the young guys, there are these random hole in the wall restaurants that no one's tried yet. They just opened new hipster spot, new Thai food spot new burger joint, new pizzeria. We're going in them. We're trying them. They taste good. We're going to be regulars from from now on going to these places and hoping it works out. Uh, the relationship right now with the Angels record, 58-58, it's 50-50. There's a chance <laughs> that the girlfriend stays. There's a chance that she leaves. I fucking hate this team, dude. I'm so fucking pissed off. So Take over. Someone take over. I need a minute. Yeah, catch your breath. I think you made a lot of good points there. Uh, I walked in. I said, "Wow, what a great point." I think, I think honestly, the fifty-fifty aspect, the five hundred aspect. If we were a movie that had a recurring metaphor or theme or any kind of substance to it, whatever you want to say, uh, it'd be fifty-fifty. It'd be that we're always half in, half out. On paper, beginning of the year, we should be in. Halfway through the year, we're out. We end up around 500, so that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with it. Our players seem to be 50-50, whether they're completely in or out, as far as whether they bought into the system that we're trying to, to bring in. I mean, you got to admit, some games the guys look fired up, and, and the score doesn't matter. I mean, if we're coming back in a game, they look fired up, and other nights they look dull. So I don't know what's going on there, if it's a culture thing. Uh, the whole culture thing is becoming more and more public, I think. Uh, we saw some Lance Lynn comments about the White Sox, and that's been going around with their their clubhouse and how things have been going. And I think that plays a bigger role than a lot of people want to admit, and it hasn't been in the public eye ever, and it still really isn't. I mean, guys keep things under wraps, but I think it's a, it plays a big part in it. It's like when you go to work every day, the people that you're with, that's going to determine how well you work. I mean, right? We all have jobs, right, I think. So... I still do, I hope. And when I go, it's like if it's cool people, I mean, even if the job is crappy, even if the team sucks as a whole, as a group, it's not going well. It's like if you're you're around good people, it just helps. And if you're winning, I think part of that has to be the culture. It has to be the people you're around, positive vibes and all that stuff. And some people say it's overrated and it doesn't matter, but you're not there. You're not in the clubhouse every day. You're not on the field every day. And so if you don't know if guys are in or out, you don't know if guys are are buying in, it's going to be tough to do so yourself. So I think that's that's part of our issue maybe as well, as they know from the top. And look, if we're sitting here saying we know the answer before you even say it and it's Artie Moreno, you don't think the guys that are owned by Artie Moreno know that? I mean, that's it's just obvious. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we're we're the fast 
the Fast and Furious saga. You already know what's coming. You already know what to expect year in, year out. We'll do something weird each season. Something that throws you off. Bring in a high-end player, a new uh, a new guest star. Whether that's uh, John Cena or Gal Gadot or whoever. They're going to be part of the part of the angel season and then we're going to go out there and we're going to finish under 500 that's usually how the news goes it's like you know something's going to disappoint but when you start to see the poster for it, the trailer for it you, you get kind of hyped you're like oh maybe maybe this one's going to be okay maybe this is the one that you know they're going to actually put the time and effort in and make a decent movie and then you just watch the same fast and furious or the same marvel movie it, sorry it just reminded me of the marvel stuff nowadays it's the same thing it's just like repetitive. You know what you're going to get. Consistent, like mediocre product. You know, it's like McDonald's or something. You know, it's, you know what you're going to get. It's not great, but it's always the same. And that works for them. It works for, for food, but it doesn't work for sports. And it's, it's insane how, I mean, they had that White Sox record. I keep going back to the Sox, but the 500 record, like the past 10 years or whatever, they're 500 even, or it comes down to the, the home and road records, like all the splits. It's it's crazy with us because I feel like it's the same thing. And we're off by a little bit here and there. Some years we're slightly under. Some years we're right at 500. I think we had back-to-back the years that were the same record a couple years ago. Uh, very close to 500. So we'll find a way to get to 500 one way or another is what it seems like, whether that's in May, June, July, or in this case, August. I guess you would say is when we're going to level off completely. At this point, I, I would take finishing at 500. I like I would take it. Because at least we're not losers. But then you could be like Ricky Bobby and say if you're not first, you're last. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean there's not a lottery thing like with other sports where you know, you don't want to finish on the bubble. You don't want to finish right outside the playoff picture and not be at the bottom because then you not only get a good pick next year, but you you know, you didn't make the playoffs. But I think with this it's more of with baseball, you know, the whole September call-up thing, I think that's a big deal, too. You see what you have for next year. It's almost like an early spring training for the following year. That's when we saw what we had or what we thought we had in Jared Walsh back in, was that 2020? It came up in September, something like that. But I believe uh, so. Yeah, and that's another question mark that actually I mentally wrote down earlier when you mentioned Rendon to first. I was thinking, well, you know, Walsh is still supposed to be in that role next year, so I don't know. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's go back to uh, let, 40 minutes ago. Yeah, uh, let, we're going to talk about stuff that's gone on around the league, obviously, since we last talked to you. It was uh, the first half of the season. Now we're in the second half of the season. There are some new faces in different places, some familiar places. Uh, former Halos. I'm uh, going to start with Noah Syndergaard. He went from the Dodgers, who he, you know, normally the Dodgers, they're supposed to fix you. And they're supposed to know exactly what's wrong with you, and they're supposed to make you the best player possible. That did not happen with Noah Syndergaard. He has moved on to the Cleveland Guardians. Good for him. Hope he does well. Um, Michael Lorenzen out in Detroit. He made the all-star team. Probably shouldn't have. Wasn't that good. But now he's amazing. Uh, first start with the Phillies, he threw eight innings of either no runs or one-run baseball. I don't have it in front of me. But then the following start, he throws a complete game no-hitter. So, totally missed out on that, which, you know, good for him. I'm happy for Michael. Shout out to him. I love that he wears bands for cleats. It's the most badass thing in the world. 
That's pretty total, awesome. Yeah. Total SoCal kid. Um, one guy who we talked about in the podcast that we recorded but never got released was uh, Jacob Webb. We DFA'd him to make space on our roster. And he is now on the Baltimore Orioles on a first place team. So good for him. And he made an appearance with them on August 9th, a couple days ago. When you're listening to this, he threw an inning and struck out three batters. Dude, there's a laundry list of not only players, but pitchers specifically. I mean, Cobb comes to mind. Dylan Bundy left us and shoved for a little bit. Where do you go? Um, Minnesota, right? Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Uh, and then Cobb, obviously, San Francisco. I don't get it. I mean, I do and I don't. I expect it at this point, but I still don't understand why it happens. It's the halo way, brother. Yeah, that's it always comes back to that, I guess. It's just yep. how it goes. Um, some other guys that were traded that directly impact us, Justin Verlander back with the Houston Astros. Things didn't work out with Uncle Stevie and the Mets, so he has been traded back to the AL West, and uh, we'll be facing him the day that you're listening to this podcast. He will yes, be sir. starting pitcher uh, against us. So Read Detmers and Verlander tonight. We're definitely losing. Go ahead and predict that right now. <laughs> Put your Vegas bets in, dude. That's a terrible bet. You bet a hundred bucks, you or you'll probably win like six dollars. Yeah, you're not going to win a lot. Yeah, but it's it's an easy <laughs> it's an easy dub, easy Trust. win. Yeah, yeah. Um, Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers also didn't work out with Uncle Steve. Apparently, the the Mets have a uh, couple years before they're actually going to be ready to compete in the playoffs, which we did talk about in the episode that we recorded that never aired. Uh, Jacob, you had said that uh, that might have just been something that they told Max so that they can trade him away. I yeah, I and, really think it was just some leverage to get him to agree to the to the trade to Texas. I mean, he had the no trade clause. I don't know for sure if he had moved his family to New York yet. I didn't look into it that deep, but I'm sure he was either in the process of doing that or already got them set up. So it's like, does he really want to do it again? He's in his final year or years. Um, I would say he's coming back, but it's just like really didn't want to have to do that. And he was probably hoping to compete with a team that should be competing. I mean, by all means, them and San Diego, everyone compares the two. I think you could throw us in the same conversation almost. We just should be competing and they're not. It just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I think it could have been a ploy by them to just kind of get him to agree. Probably told him that Verlander was going as well. So it's kind of like, you know, at that point, he was probably thinking he's going to go. And just to put the icing on the cake, they're going to say, yeah, we're not going to try to compete. No team is going to say that. I mean, I guess to the player, it's different. Maybe if you have the respect for a guy, you'd be honest with him. You could make him think that's what's going on. Like, oh, they have the, enough respect for me. They're going to tell me something they would never leak to the media or whatever. And then he goes and leaks it anyway. Type of guy he is. I mean, he just doesn't care. I love it. It's I don't blame him for that. I, no, I, yeah, I, no, I like that he did that. Me too. I mean, yeah. uh, like, you, if, if you're Max Scherzer, you sign that deal with the Mets, you're getting paid all this money and you have an all-star team surrounding you with again, unlimited payroll. How are you not going to be pissed off that all of a sudden your window has shifted from now to two or three years from now when you're probably going to be retired? No, I don't blame him for putting it. I mean, cause like they're probably thinking, why would you agree to the trade? And he has to give the reason why. I mean, I don't think he's making it up. I, of course. I think they said it to him. It's just, Maybe they didn't say it in that way. Maybe he kind of did it. Maybe they said, well, we don't know for next year. And then he came up with 2026. I don't know. 
how clear it was. But either way, I think it definitely was something they just said. And you're not going to tell me they're not going to try to run it back next year. I mean, I know it's a tough division, probably the second toughest in the league. Um, we were just talking about the Phillies too. Oh, they're turning it on, but I, I don't know. I think they still have a real shot to, if everything clicks, they're going to be a good team and I'm going to hate it. And hopefully you guys are going to hate it as much as I do, but they're, they're capable of being a good fucking team. I know that. Yeah. So those are the trades that directly affect us because obviously we're in the same division as the Astros and the Rangers, and they just got two hall of famer pitchers in their rotations that are, that are still performing to a standard major league uh, amount, you know, like they're, if anything, they're, they're better than most pitchers on our pitching staffs. Oh yeah. Like, like if there was a, is there an OPS plus staff for pitchers? I'm dumb. Uh, I think war would probably be the more appropriate stat to, I guess, to go but by. It's like, I want to know like, based on league average for starters, how much better they are, because I know they're both above average, even if their ERA doesn't show it. I know they're both above average stuff, above average, uh, stamina dog, like everything. They have the complete package. The only thing I'd say they're susceptible to, I guess would be injury fatigue, but I, I don't really see the, the fatigue part, I guess. But you know, you look into it, Verlander has got a new arm again. So I think that's going to be okay. You just worry about the other parts, legs, back, you know, they're, they're getting old. Yeah. I I think we're going to see them for a few more years to come. Um, But yeah, those are just the trades that we were directly affected by uh, former halos and stuff. Uh, One thing I do want to shout out uh, for the Dodgers who did acquire um, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly back onto the Dodgers. But Joe Kelly back onto the Dodgers, Lance Lynn being a newcomer to the Dodgers. The, the White Sox just unloaded everybody. So Lance Lynn going there, Joe Kelly going there, not surprising. They've both been great for the Dodgers, good for them. Happy for you, Ivan. Not really. Um, <laughs> Kike yeah. as well, right? Yeah, Kike as well from the Red Sox. Who It's really weird because they, they still had a Kike bobblehead night uh, for his time on the Puerto Rico team. And they had to add like these stickers on the side that said that like a message from Kike saying like, Oh, I'll always cherish being a Red Sox and the times at Fenway park. And I'm always going to be happy to call this place my home, blah, blah, blah. Uh, kind of weird marketing by them. Like usually if you trade a player, you don't have a bobblehead night for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. I mean, and it's not like it's a team that couldn't afford to take that loss of revenue you know what i mean like it's it's the boston red sox the top five revenue team maybe top three i don't know they're, they're fucking rich so i don't know weird move but at the same time because it was the the wbc thing and then they at least acknowledged that they weren't being dumb and they didn't think he was in the dugout um i guess it was okay i don't know also he kind of sucks doesn't he like some people were saying the numbers like He's one of the worst uh, worst hitters by a lot of the standards this year in the last couple of years. And he stuff. has not been great. He has not been great off uh, offensively. He is a fan favorite, though. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to say. He's a glue guy. I'm personally happy that he's back in L.A. Um, but yeah, other, th- other than that, no, he, he has not performed to the best of his ability. Or I, I, I don't know if it's to the best of his ability. He just hasn't performed to the normal standard that he was at before. Yeah. I should Ivan, say. what do you think? I don't know what to think, man. Uh, I really don't know what to think. He wasn't uh, a baseball fan yet when Kike left, so no, I, I'm sure he's indifferent I, I would, about yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, I, I was hearing his name getting thrown around, and I was like, oh, I guess he's a big deal. 
Um, so yeah, I'm kind of new to the history, his history. So yeah, I I don't know what to think really right now. I kind of thought they were trying to get belly back. I I didn't see that anywhere, but I just had a feeling because you talk about a fan favorite. I mean, that guy, that guy was the fan favorite for a couple years here and they might've been trying to get him, and he might not have wanted to come back. He might've been like, you guys gave up on me. F you. I'm having a good time here in Chicago. And the Cubs are fucking making a run, so I guess they're hanging good on for the to Cubs. It. You know what? Yeah. I don't mind it. I don't. I don't mind if the Cubs go for it this year. I don't. I don't mind it at all. No, I don't hate them. It's just like, damn, if we were in that division. Oh yeah, I mean, if we were in the Central <laughs> period, we we'd be having a grand old time. Yep. Just It'd mix the Centrals together. Yeah. Yeah. Just put them together and make it a big Central NL AL, and just have all the worst teams in the league be in there. Move Oakland there too. <laughs> Do you still think Oakland's going to Vegas? Do you think that's that's a thing? Yeah, I think I just was talking about this with the guy at work the other day. I think Oakland's going to go to Vegas, and I think they're going to expand two teams to go to 32. I think Nashville's one, and then the 32nd, I think, is really up in the air. I think you hear Salt Lake, you hear Charlotte, um, you hear some Canada cities, but I, I, I don't think they're going to do another one in Canada. I just don't. I just see, especially now with stuff and if we differ with politics and stuff i just see it becoming more of a problem um and they're not going to do that i mean they're going to make a closed roof stadium wherever it is so i guess it wouldn't matter but i guess if i had to pick i mean nashville for sure have you what's another one is there another city that's been thrown i can't um no what's the other city i thought there's one more but i think that's what they're going to do because they aren't going to do 31 so they may do an expansion at 32 but to answer the question short form yeah i think oakland's going to move because San Francisco's doing more than enough to carry the weight there, and Vegas needs a team. If they don't go there, there's your answer for 32. It's going to be Vegas and Nashville. www.thatstateofthepodcast.com um, Shout out to Luis Ranjifo. He's been killing it out there on the field for us, despite uh, what a lot of people have been saying. I know I, I've talked a lot of trash on Ranjifo. Um, a lot of people wonder why he's still out there, and to that I say, who else are you going to put out there? But... Uh, yeah, just wanted to put that right there before we put a pin in it. Any final thoughts, Jacob or Ivan? No, good shout out, Luis. He's been been doing a lot better. A lot of guys have been doing a lot better individually. It's just as a team, we haven't been pulling it off. So there are some guys going under the radar we haven't mentioned, but it just kind of happens. That's the game. Um, Ivan, what do you got? Uh, the only thing I got is uh, I hate Artie Moreno. That's it. Perfect. Love that. Love that. Uh, as always, go check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Michael the Halo. Go listen to us on Apple Meet, or Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Michael the Halo as well. One last time, mic that baby up, light that baby up, big fly. Absolutely, Tyler Red Trilogy. We're done. Scooby! <laughs>